The Home Show with Color Trend. Bring home Irish color with Color Trend paint. This is News Talk. Good morning, welcome along to The Home Show with me, Sinead Ryan. Coming up today, as Halloween descends upon us, we explore the haunting festival that marks the end of harvest season. From barn brack to bobbing apples, we look at the food and games that you can play at home this Halloween. We ask if anyone has time for clocks in their homes anymore. And Roisin Murphy looks at the mysterious power of black magic in the home. If you'd like to get involved in the show today, you can text us here at The Home Show at 53106 for 30 cent. You can email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. You'll find me over on Twitter at Sinead underscore Ryan. And remember, you can listen live or listen back to the show and all of our podcasts on the Newstalk app, which is powered by GoLoud. Now, um, daylight saving time ends this Sunday. Now, I don't know about you, I can never remember if the clocks are supposed to go back or forward But I wonder whether the whole concept is just completely outdated in the 21st century. I mean, the whole thing of daylight saving was devised over 100 years ago before modern living included electricity and jobs other than factories and farms. Putting clocks forward doesn't create more daylight. It just changes the time on the clock that the sun rises and sets. So in the summer, you can stay an extra hour in the pub. In the winter, it gets darker sooner. So what? Like its purpose was actually to save energy because it delayed putting on artificial light. And and these days, listen, it's on the whole time. We're binge watching Netflix at 3am anyway, if we want. Your body clock gets messed about with. You certainly can't explain to your toddler that they can now stay in bed an extra hour. Now, later on, I'll be talking all things clocks with Roisin Murphy. But here's my question for you today. Is it time to stop messing about with time? Would you care if it stayed the same all year round? I don't think I would. Let me know. 53106. The Home Show at Newstalk.com. Sinead underscore Ryan. You're very welcome along to the show this morning. Now, many of the Halloween celebrations we enjoy today owe their origins to the ancient festival of Samhain celebrated by our Celtic ancestors. That's according to my first guest, Clodagh Doyle, who is keeper of the Irish Folklife Division at the National Museum of Ireland. Clodagh, you're very welcome along to the Home Show again. Great. Thanks a million, Sinead. This time of year, a quarter day again. I know, a quarter day. Now tell us, uh, first of all, just for people who don't know, where does the name Halloween come from? Yeah, I think people don't often think about it too much, but if you think of All Hallows and Hallowed Ground, basically holy, the word for holy, and and Ian is the word for evening. So it's the evening before um, the holy one the haloed ones, and that's All Saints. So the 1st of November is All Saints Day, and the evening before that is the hallowed evening. So that's where it comes from. Um, so, And we just shorten it to Halloween. Um, but um, it definitely, yeah, that's where it's coming from. And so so that, would, that would make it sound to some then like it is a Christian festival because All Saints Day is, is a Christian uh, day yeah. of worship. But yet... Halloween goes yeah. way, way, way very back. Very pagan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very pagan. And goes um, maybe back to, it's back to Celtic times. So the Christian festivals always end up being right beside where pagan festivals already were. So, and the festival that we associate with Halloween, it does, a lot of the origins still have um, sort of pagan overtones. 
and that idea of bonfires and you know it's a bonfire night for a lot of people so mm. that's kind of going back to more pagan times and it was looking at the Celtic New Year um, it was, it's almost like the evening before the Celtic New Year so the Celtic New Year starts in two halves the dark half of the year and the and that brings you from November up to May. And then from May to November is the brighter half of the year. Okay, um, so actually looking, people yeah. can celebrate New Year's Eve tonight. Exactly, that's it. It's the Celtic New Year, that's it. I knew I'd be able to give everybody an excuse to open a bottle of bubbly tonight and you've, yeah, just, exactly. you've just provided it. Okay. Um, now, do you yeah, know what? So, it it yeah. strikes me that a lot of these traditions that we have in Ireland, um, these kind of folklore, somewhat pagan, they're all about evil and death and warding yeah. off spirits. <laughs> yeah, what kind of a people were we? <laughs> well, I think we looked very much to, like if you think of the countryside even 100 years ago, it's a very dark place. So life is very dark. And when the, the weather and the, when the weather and all of that changes and you're going to the darkness and you have short days, I think people looked more to nature and the seasons than we and were much more aware and in tune with what was going on. And they really relied on the land and, and its bounty. And then they were thankful, but they were always looking for protection. And then there was also that connection to our ancestors and the dead. And that is quite a strong tradition, especially around Halloween, because people were all... People believed that, you know, on these quarter days, it's always an in-between time. And it's the time where you're more in touch with the supernatural world, the other world, the world of the dead. There's the puka going around and he's spitting or urinating on all the berries so that nobody eats them after the 31st of October. And then there's just that sense that the fairies are on the move. They're going from their summer dwelling to their winter abode. But there's also the, the idea of the dearly departed mm. are on the move and they might come back so to your own home so you might leave you'd want to welcome them but you also kind of want protection from other ones that might be out there so these quarter days as you've told us before are all about transition it's about that yeah. limbo time where yeah, people were and something it. was ending and something was beginning and if you leave the door open too far the bad stuff will get in and the good stuff will get out that's it. And then when you think about it, the 2nd of November is actually all um, all souls day. So, of course, that's where we, there, there was a focus on the dead. There is that sense that the people are going to come back or that there's people, the souls in purgatory are on the way, on the move that night. But because of that, and people knew that people believed that the dead were on the move, I suppose then that's why people played tricks. They went from house to house. They wore scary masks to scare the living daylights out of anyone. <laughs> and then there's also the, the pumpkin tradition and the really scary pinched faces of the, the pumpkins. and But not the pumpkins. Originally, we would have always had um, turnips, although I noticed that we have I noticed that we have um, pumpkin makers now, or pumpkin growers in Ireland now, definitely as a crop. But but originally, it always would have been turnips, oh. you know. So, and, so um, another one of the traditions then that kind of came about around that, time was about fortune telling it was it was like yeah. a mystical time where maybe you could look a little bit into the future so talk to me about some of the traditions uh, and and games people would play or maybe they were maybe yeah, they well, weren't the, games maybe yeah. they took them very seriously um well i think you know i suppose it's coming into winter and you really are going to settle down into kind of like maybe a bit of courting you've not much else to do you know <laughs> so you're kind of hibernating really and you're kind of getting to the point where you actually need 
um, you need you might be looking for a partner and this is the time in the, the winter you've, you've less work to do so I suppose there's a sense and also if you're going to get married in Ireland generally you try to get married before Lent which was Shrove Tuesday and um, that was a, probably the best day to marry oh so and you'd want to be getting busy. on with it by Halloween then. yeah you'd want to be exactly you'd need to know what you're doing and I suppose the winter is a good time for sort of settling in and this is the time where a lot of our games so the festival itself is but the evening before, as we said, 31st of October. But there's the home section where everyone's got all of the crafts in. So everything you can get from the land, you've taken it in. All the berries, anything, everything's been pickled or stored or preserved in some way. But the thing you have loads of as well is apples. So apples feature so strongly, nuts feature strongly, anything that's there has been taken in and you've gathered everything but there's such an amazing amount of apples I suppose they're featuring the games and I, I don't know did you play the apple on a string or did you did you do the bobbing for apples Indeed, or coins? all of them and we're going to be talking after the break with somebody who's an expert in that area and chatting about games <laughs> what I want to know is Great. how do you find out who you're going to marry before then? Well that's it yeah I mean my mother used to always peel an apple and you'd take the long long peeling of the apple and throw it over your shoulder and you know it formed a letter which it often curled into some form of letter um, you know that was the initials of the, guy, the man you were going to marry and a lot of this stuff is is portents of doom and warnings yeah. I mean there was nothing yeah. kind of happy about it do you think you it know, took the, it, you know the blindfolding like yeah. putting your hand into three bowls and yeah. you don't know which one you're going to choose like the Water, okay, you were going to emigrate. Chances are you were, but you know, the grain would mean that you're going to be rich or you know, and you'll have food. But like clay, that just foretold death, you know. So it's not, it wasn't exactly telling your fortune and you're going to die <laughs> right. within the year. Okay, and now fairy forts and fairy mounds, people get very exercised over them, especially when there's a roadway about to be built across it. Uh, that <laughs> was something that people had a special significance about this time of year. Yeah, I suppose there's more activity around the fairy forts would have been the thought. Like, but, but as I said before, the fairies are on the move. So the fact that they're out and about, it's not great. And you know they're on the move because they're moving between their their summer abode into winter abode. So they're, they're kind of out and about. So people are avoiding fairy mounds, but also people avoided them out at night time. And certainly they could be lured into the, by the music of the fairy fort or, you know, the, 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 the idea that you could be abducted, so, you know, by the fairies and taken away, you know. So, um, but, uh, but I suppose the whole moral is, uh, like, not to go out too much, but when you were out, people knew people were quite scared. So the idea of scaring them with jumping out, you know, near a graveyard with a, a Halloween tur- a turnip or something, you know, and scaring the living daylights. That right. seems to be part of the pranks. And, the, you know, knickknacks on doors, like, or maybe knock-knocks on doors, you know, um, and the running away and playing those sort of tricks, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. or going to, from house to house and getting some money for a bit of a party and help the Halloween party. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's all part of that tradition of going from house to house. And that's that's still, that's always been part of the tradition. Indeed. And it's part of a lot of our festivals where people go from house to house to get money for drink or money for a Halloween party or a, or a biddy boys party or another time of the year. So, so yes, it's interesting. So, Clodagh, how will you be celebrating Halloween now? Yeah, I suppose we'll be at home. <laughs> we'll probably just do the apples and things like that. Yeah. But um, I have three, um, three teenagers now and they're... 
you know, I don't know if they have to go out. For oh, they're far too cool things, for you know, the likes so of Halloween. It's, like, <laughs> it's, it's kind of a different emphasis, but I suppose, and also because I live in the West, it isn't so much a bonfire night because St. John's Eve, the 23rd of June, is actually bonfire night. But in the cities, um, I mean, it's a big night for bonfires and it always right. has been. Um, especially in Dublin and, um, you know, so where Very I grew good. up, I was in massive, when I grew up in Dublin, like there was a massive bonfire in Green Hills, you know, so, and also making sure that nobody, nobody lit the bonfire prematurely. That's really important, yeah, you know, or indeed. somebody other community's bonfire, you know, so. Well, whatever um, you're doing. what will you be doing, Sinead? What well, do you do? <laughs> well, me, I'm, I'm of the tradition of uh, keeping the curtains closed and the lights off and pretending we can't hear the doorbell, but uh, I have a child at home at the <laughs> moment boomeranged back to me so I think we'll be probably uh, doing it a different way listen Cloda uh, Doyle so much, Keeper of the Irish Folk Life Division at the National Museum thank you so much for joining us again the Home Show with all of that fascinating history Great thanks Janine take care Still to come on the Home Show Roisin Murphy delves into black magic around the home up next, we look at what you can do with the family tomorrow evening when it comes to those essential games and food to enjoy this Halloween. So grab yourself a witch's brew and join me back in the home show here on News Talk in a few minutes. The Home Show with Colour Trend. Bring home Irish colour with Colour Trend paint. This is News Talk. You're very welcome back to the Home Show Halloween show here on News Talk. I'm Sinead Ryan. Now, before the break, I was talking with Clodagh Doyle, the keeper of Irish folklore in the National Museum of Ireland. She was talking to me a great conversation all about how our ancestors celebrated had Halloween and where all the traditions came from. Now, if you want to listen back to that, if you missed it, uh, do so on the News Talk app, which is powered by Go Loud, and all of our greatest hits are on that. And if you'd like to get in contact with us, you can text us at 53106. That'll cost you 30 cent or email the show at the home show at newstalk.com. Now, Halloween, like many other traditions and festivals throughout the year, comes with many links to foods and games and Halloween is no different. So to look at some of the regional traditions, I'm joined by Ross Golden Bannon, who's a member of the Irish Food Writers Guild. Morning, Ross. Welcome Good morning. Back to Thank the you. Show in studio. Thank you. Great <laughs> to see. Absolutely. Great to see people again. Yeah, Isn't it just? Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, games at Halloween, we uh, in my uh, family home, they were a, a big thing you know it was a way to celebrate but you came back with your haul of nuts and apples and by the way folks that's all we had there was no kind of little goodie bags of Harry Bows <laughs> yeah well in fact it's kind of interesting nuts and apples are ha- ha- go back a very very yeah. long way they're pre-Christian as part of the festival yeah. if you gave them to now to a child who calls on Sunday night and you handed them an apple and a few monkey nuts They'd look at you square, wouldn't they? There's also the nut allergy you might have to worry about. <laughs> oh, and the legal implications. So much we didn't have to worry about. <laughs> the nightmare, Halloween nightmare of, of a legal action against you. So some of the games then that people are used to um, that I remember, certainly the bobbing of the apple where you tried to drown your children. That was one. <laughs> um, the hanging on the door where you tried to slam them into a doorway. That was another. <laughs> you have. So the whole thing, because was, we were speaking to um, Claude Doyle, who's the uh, folklore. Life Museum keeper and uh, before the break and she was talking about kind of some of the traditions which I always feel are linked to 
to destruction and death and all that kind of thing. It's a very strange time of the year because, I mean, in, in pre-Christian Ireland, and in fact, we've inherited a whole load of it, is, you know, that's the time when there's that gap between the other world and yeah. this world. So a lot of the things are connected to either protecting yourself in some way or disguising yourself in some way. That's what the, where the costumes come from. The Druids used to tre- dress up in things to distract the, the evil spirits and stuff. So that's kind of ended up being dressing up. But the, the apples and the nuts and, you know, the apples are kind of a symbol of immortality oh, in I pagan see. Ireland. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if you circle think... And the circle and the eve and all but, that. And also even the taste of it. If you think about it, in a time long before refrigerators, you know, and it's the end of the harvest season, there aren't many bright flavours then, you know, like mm. in the summertime. But the apple miraculously has this incredible bright flavour and taste when you bite into it. So it must have seemed kind of magical in a way in the okay. depths of autumn and winter that you would have this flavour. Um, and then I, there was something which I actually thought was an all year round thing, but in fact started at Halloween, which is that you would peel the apple in one continuous long peel mm. and then you threw it in the air mm. and when it landed, whatever initial it was would be the person you'd marry. So uh, lots of stuff to do with marriage and fertility as well. Lots. So we were hearing and it's all about kind of trying to plan who you're going to marry. Were you going to be wealthy, poor, a tailor, tinker, yeah, soldier, tinker spy, tailor. whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and trying to kind of foretell the future at this mystical time of year. Now, one of the foodstuffs, there are so many foods that, that are kind of known around this time, but the the most famous has to be the barmbrack. So tell me a little bit about the tradition there. Yeah, so the barmbrack, and it's kind of a little bit of a pity that there's so little left. Sometimes you can still find a barmbrack with a golden ring in it. But certainly when I was growing up, there was a whole plethora of things that could me be found. Too. My mother used to wrap things in greaseproof yeah, paper. Yeah. And you'd cut your teeth on them. But well, yeah. great I mean, pa- pa- there was like a thimble, a button, a piece of rag, a piece of wood, a pea a bean like there was endless amounts and I'm sure there's re- other regional things as well but you know the thimble meant you'd be a spinster mm. the button meant that you'd be a bachelor they didn't think that I'd grow up to be gay you see <laughs> there, uh, was no, there was no symbol for there was no symbol gay. for oh, he's one shame. of them yeah. um, you know a bean meant you were going to be very wealthy a pea meant you were going to be poor Okay. so and obviously the rag meant you were going to be poor as well yeah. you know and the ring that you'd marry you know so there was all this kinds of stuff but they, they were other things that people did with like with the nuts um, sometimes they would put two nuts into the fire and they'd put a name on each one of them like oh it's Ross's and Sinead's and if they popped and sparked near closer and closer <gasps> together we have a thing going on that's it exactly how exciting <laughs> <laughs> we'll try that after the we'll try that afterwards <laughs> uh, there probably it probably there probably won't be something going on but we'll try no, it anyway no, give it no. a go give it a go uh, so Col Cannon then is the other one because uh, I remember having coins uh, again yes. wrapped for the Col Cannon yes. and my mother would desperately try and divide it evenly among the four of us to make sure that everybody got Everyone the got same amount of money yeah, it was challenging. Gosh, they were very fair in your household. There was just the one winner in our household. Um, yeah, Kilcannon. And interesting, of course, Kilcannon, like t- the potato came very no, reasonably late when you think about it, but it very quickly became part of the tradition. But the, you know, the, the cabbage or any kind of cabbagey thing, like across the country, there's lots of variations and stuff. But curiously, yeah. if you've heard of bubble and squeak in mm. the UK, mm. which is a very traditional British thing, we brought that over there 
And basically, it's fried Kilcannon. Okay, which is lovely. Which is equally good. And that's good. potato cakes yeah. and all yeah. that kind of tradition. Yeah. So kale is the traditional green. Yes. But, and was that always the case? See, even before that, kale, you know, all that cruciform, or sorry, not all that sort of cabbage family stuff is pre, um, you know, pre-potatoes. You oh, know? Right. So we would have had a very ancient history of all of that. See, this time of the year is Celtic New Year. Mm. So basically what it is, it's the end of the harvest season and it's the start of this darker part mm. of the year. Mm. So you're also kind of celebrating all the richness of the harvest at sure. that time of the year as well. Now, turnips, I, I have a thing about the pumpkin, right? Because, in like, okay, what have the Americans ever done for us? Well, they gave mm. us the pumpkins. But before that, we had turnips. And wasn't that the traditional, like the exactly. jack-o'-lantern? Exactly. So kind of oddly... We've probably been the greatest uh, contributor to Halloween traditions around the world. I mean, it's really a Celtic mm. tradition. So w- the Irish brought it over to the United States and originally would have used turnips. Mm. And then it developed into the pumpkin, which then came back here. But going way, 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 way back, uh, the pumpkin was used carved out to carry a lit piece of turf from house to house. And that was your kind of contribution to the, the mm. party and the warmth, mm. shall we say. But then, obviously, over time, people carved faces out and stuff. And with the lit piece of uh, turf, it you know, it was a kind of this crazy, this scary thing. Again, back to this idea of like scaring away the spirits yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or beguiling them in some way so they wouldn't hurt you. Yeah, Indeed. so and more and more people I've seen are using turnips, which is really nice. And another curious thing, more and more people are talking about Samhain instead of Halloween. Mm, mm. And that's a real kind of acknowledgement of all that pagan history, that real proper Celtic history around the festival. Indeed. I'm speaking with Ross Golden-Bannon, our foodie expert here on The Home Show. Um, Ross, games, let's go back to those because um, what games did you play as a child? Yes, we did play Bob in the Apple. And well, there was a real sense that was parlour games were a big thing. Um, and they weren't just at Christmas time. I think people still maybe play games at Christmas time, even just board games. The charades and the, the charades and all that kind of thing. That, yeah. But certainly at, at Halloween, the idea of you know putting an apple in, into the big bowl of uh, water and you had to try and eat it, yeah. grab hold of it with your teeth, and then there was like uh, passing the apple on with your shoulder. That could get very messy. It's not COVID friendly. A, not COVID friendly. B, I noticed when I was little that the adults seemed to enjoy it more than the children. But we won't get into that. There might have been a few scoops involved before they got to the games, (laughs) do you think? So lots of those. And it's kind of a bit of a pity. It'd be nice to bring some of those games back Mm. as well. There's the hanging the apple from the door. So trying to bite into it. And again, the apple, the apple, the apple, they all keep, it it just keeps appearing. It's just that food that is so ancient and yet um, transcends all of our uh, traditions. I mean, there's apple pie and then at Christmas you have spiced apples and yeah, all. Yeah, it yeah. just is that that one product which um, is so Irish, isn't it really? And uh, si- let's not forget the cider. And another, there's a, a curious one, which I think might be more of northern parts of the country, is with cabbages. That if you you would blindfold a young girl who would go into the field and pull up the nearest cabbage and the root of the cabbage was an indicator of what her partner might look like. Now oh. stop it. Well, her no, partner, I can't think that'll end well. <laughs> <laughs> right. Don't try that at home, Don't folks. Try that <laughs> Without the permission of a friendly farmer. Indeed. Now, have the Americans ruined it for us or made it for us, Ross? <laughs> because the whole thing has transmorgified into this event. Yeah. Um, I, you know, with my other hat on, I'm a consumer 
uh, journalists and you know we've shops and retailers telling me people haven't even thought about Christmas this year they're so excited about Halloween and getting the Halloween making it such a big thing of it because I suppose the kids couldn't do anything last year uh, that they have now been given permission to do it Um, so uh, it is like now an imported event isn't it? Well, or is that I unfair? mean, I, I think that's a bit unfair in that we just need to reclaim it back. I mean, it has always been ours. I mean, Americans are always stunned when they come over here and they find out we do this Halloween Do Halloween, thing, yeah. You know, and they're like, oh, we thought you did Guy Fawkes. Mm, no, no, maybe not. <laughs> think about that now. We've got to celebrate the death of a man who tried to blow up Parliament. That's unlikely. So um, I think it's time for us to reclaim it back. And I think that's already happening with people talking about Samhain and differentiating it from Halloween. Mm. And to be fair to people of Christian faith, that it's all Hallow's Eve for people mm, as well. Mm. And the, uh, it's all yeah. Saints Day the next yeah. day as well. So obviously, you know, the church... But the there church- is that sense with some of these traditions and Halloween is the obvious one where they existed long before the Christian church and then were appropriated at the same time to say oh no this is our festival now you all have to get in and pray about stuff. Well what they tried to do was to match up they generally didn't stamp out the completely what the local traditions were, which is why you'll find Christian traditions across Europe so different, you know. Yeah. So, Just you know, clever rebranding. Yes, it's, it's rebranding. So, like St. John's Eve, yeah. you know, uh, in the midsummer is a good example of that. The, the big bonfires that are lit, not so much in the uh, east coast of Ireland, but on the west coast mm-hmm. of Ireland, St. John's Eve is huge, but that's pre Christian. That's, you know, pagan. So, I think it's time for us to take Samhain back for us and to, to really to promote more of the Irish traditions around it. And maybe it's a good way also, because all those recipes are pretty simple. They're not complicated recipes. It's maybe time to get the kids cooking with you with those things. It is a great opportunity for that and just having a bit of fun in the kitchen with all the scents and smells and food that's available. So Ross, what will you be doing now for for Halloween tomorrow? Halloween, well really, Mud Island Community Garden, of which I'm a member, we normally have an enormous Halloween festival. And sadly, it was just too complicated this year. We didn't know what the rules were going to be. Sure. But what we, one of our members, uh, Paul, who's absolutely, may, absolutely in love with Halloween, has gone around the neighbourhood and he's, they're projecting ghosts and things in the windows and there's going to be stuff projected around the garden but you won't be able to go in but you'll be able to see it. So, and we're, there's also a great festival uh, uh, on the canal and the name of the festival escapes me now but uh, absolutely we'll call it we'll we'll call it, uh, on the canal there <laughs> yeah. at North Strand so you should go along to that as well In too Dublin. All right well listen thank you very much uh, Ross Goldenbannon a member of the Irish Food Writers Guild and expert on all things food and drink and Halloween thank you so much for joining us on the Home Show Thank you very much Now after the break Roisin Murphy goes all voodoo on us and she'll be asking if people still have clocks in their homes. So join me back here on The Home Show here in News Talk in a few moments. And you're very welcome back to The Home Show here on News Talk. I'm Sinead Ryan. Now earlier in the show I was talking to Ross Golden-Bannon on all the food and traditions associated with Halloween. So if you want to listen back to that, do so on the News Talk app, which is powered by Go Loud. Now, keeping with the theme of Halloween, how can I introduce my next guest? She's just a devil She's good. Um, I don't know. I can dance to it, but I can't sing to it. Wicked Witch of the West. Thank you. Good Witch of the North. So yeah. you're here. Roisin Murphy, welcome into the Thank Home Show Thank you so much. Thank you all. Yes, I'll have a spell for you later on. <laughs> 
we'll be going off to get a witch's brew after the show. Yeah. Uh, now, while we're on the... Okay, we're done. We're done, folks. Uh, now, while we, while we uh, are in the mood for Halloween, yes. we thought we would talk to you about one of the most difficult colours. You'd probably disagree with me now to introduce into the home, but it is... I'm not going to say orange. Black. Well, I'd like to say, were well, you not watching my programme, Sinead? Last <laughs> night it premiered again home for rescue. just in case you missed it and you thought you weren't going to give me a shout out. Now, it's on a Thursday, RT2, I believe you're looking for. I did it all in pink, right? And just to say the homeowner doesn't like pink, it's the least favourite colour. It's on but, the player if anybody wants um, to watch it back. Yeah. Black is probably, I mean, I actually love pink and black together. I think they're one of my favourite uh, combinations. But black is one of those colours, isn't it? Is it one of those teenage angst colours? I remember is my brother, when he was about 15, decided to paint his bedroom black entirely. I don't know how long it lasted. Yeah. I think it's a very, I mean, I know it, it is associated it, with it's, it's darkness so, and depression, but it's a, like, you do need a little bit of light or a breakup, don't you? Listen, black is reborn in the last decade, it has to be said. It is the same way as Millennium brought white in and it lasted. The Millennium, we've had 30 years of white since the 1990s mm. all the way through. Or variations thereof. Right. Yeah. And we've had a lot of grey as well and it is leading to an absolute mainstreaming of black. It's now out of the teenagers' bedrooms. It's out of the goths. It's out of it being symbolic of death. And it's in the News Talk studio because I'm looking around me now. Yeah, and half but that's well, black, black. red there now, very <laughs> 80s. It's that combination where the colour pop and isn't good. Now, it's always had its moment in corporate stuff, but historically it starts in Egypt. It start, you know, with the colour of the underworld was black and Anubis and all mm. of that sort of malarkey. Mm. And then it moved into, you know, it moved into what I, I love this one, right? Apparently it's a dog your clothes only the royals or the the nobility could dye their clothes colours okay so the bankers being the bankers that they are decided they would wear black and they made black a very big fashion statement and in a way that whole black suit like so black isn't just the teenage they became you know what I mean that association of black austere as an austere and serious and moneyed and mourning clothes of course were always black but black then got adopted by the nobility then as a suit as well. And mm. we've seen little uh, the little black dress, we've seen Chanel. But in the interior world for the last, since I'd say about five years, now we've had black steel windows and I think they're the thing that kind of leaked in and it came through the indu- that industrial look. But black has become a colour you can actually paint on a wall. It has on become, a wall or on all the walls? It depends on what you want, but it has become what you would never have seen ever really um, apart from the 80s in, in very graphic studios, is mm. black painted in kitchen walls, black painted in living room, that dark chalk curly grey. Now, it is a very difficult colour to knock off in light like Ireland or England. But yeah. you, you, if you're doing it, it looks massive on exterior garden walls with pop, bright pops of poppies and flowers in front of it. Okay. It looks fantastic if you want to, say, a large shot of black like an espresso in a garden shed at the back of your house. It also in a north, you know, in a kind of a room that's not getting an awful lot of light. Black ceilings are super hot with a bit of with something peeking out in it. But it's a difficult colour to apply in interiors. And the minute you mention ceilings, I'm thinking that's a step too far. I would feel very claustrophobic, actually, in in a any ceiling other than white. And I know that yeah. you regularly look at painting ceilings. No, no, I black, like paint. Does it not come yeah. down on your head? Well, you see, the thing is, there, I suppose with with say if you're in a bathroom like that sense of wanting to be back into a kind of completely neutral space like white is a neutral space black is quite a neutral space it and it looks fantastic 
for kind of the night time that things would light up against it. So it's quite a glossy, glamorous nightclub feel. Mm. And also for meditation and stuff like that with plants and things in it, black blurs the boundaries. So it can make space feel actually huge. Because okay. if you think about it, you're not seeing the edges. But we also have it. But its main application, I think, for me, is in black accessories are back in, in a way that we haven't seen since lacquered furniture and things. And we oh, always right, had a okay. lot of lacquered furniture. Yeah. Um, Eileen Gray, the Irish famous mm. Irish uh, furniture designer from Wexford, she would have done a lot of lacquer work. And that was a huge thing in the 30s in France. And we've seen that in cabinetry. But we're seeing it now in, say, what we would see uncontroversially is black kitchens. Kitchens, yeah. you're absolutely right. That kind of um, high gloss finish whereas people used to get cream all the time and now yeah. I'm going to a kill lot you of them you are could, black. You, no, matte though, Sinead. Must be matte. Must oh, be matte black. Matte oh, black. See. It's the, the gloss the gloss black, no. Well, I'm not for the first time I'm behind the curve. Sorry about this, right. Sinead. Matte black. So that it looks almost like stone. Though, no, fingerprints aren't too bad. Like the, where you're going to get problems with black is in bathrooms, believe it or not, where if you see it on a kitchen you know people they, they're they putting in the bathrooms it's not good in bathrooms you will find that residue of toothpaste we all know that from one of the reasons why I suppose avocado and, mm. ma- and maroon mm. uh, sanitary wear was never that popular or it didn't continue the way white has in sanitary wear is because it shows all the dirt it shows all the shaving foams it shows yeah. and you're there scrubbing so if you want to keep your bathroom a place of busy cleanliness go for black because it actually shows the dirt it also shows the dirt on uh, floors so it's a funny colour, black tile, be very black careful. Black tiles, yeah, but they're very, very popular. And you can understand people, that there's a kind of a safety about a black tile because it's not kind of hemming you in around the walls or in the ceiling, but it can be very sophisticated if it's done well. I'm not a big fan. No? No, not really. I think because I like, because of light in Ireland, I like a reflective floor. Now, I do like a black lacquered timber floor but I'm not mad about a black tile floor but you know the, the very heavy Victorian black mm. ebonised wood oh, I love Oh that's gorgeous but That's that you, yeah. you can't gimmick that though no, you, you have it or you don't have it You have it or you don't yeah. when you, when you can paint a pine you can you can say for Victorians they would have upgraded their pine floors with black around and plop the carpet down over yeah. the unpainted stuff but yeah. I do like that I do think I am absolutely in love with black front doors at the moment in kind of Victorian and Edwardian property. Very elegant, property. very elegant. And, and people love that with all of the brassware yeah. or the silverware or whatever But on if the you want to bring a few bits in, think like think really funny things like lights, a black pod table, um, black cutlery, a, a signal, one or two pieces of black, but black handles on cabinetry is beautiful. Mm. Cup black D handles, anything like that. If you want to upgrade your white kitchen cabinets, and bring them in or wood cabins, upgrade them to black and you are you're gonna be you're gonna be on that curve bell. That's okay. going okay. All right, good tips there, Roisin's rules for incorporating black into your home. Now, time for something different. Uh, time. Clocks. <laughs> I've been asking people, you know, this kind of clocks forward, clocks back, summer yeah. daylight saving time, you know, if folks, what do you think about that? Do you do you want that nonsense to discontinue? Five three one oh six, let us know. But clocks themselves, Roisin, I like I remember my grandfather had a big clock on the mantelpiece. I think he probably got it from his father and it ticked and it talked and it was all you could hear. And then my uncle and aunt had a big grandfather clock in their hall. They still have it. Um, Do people have clocks anymore? I don't have one at all. Well, I just except on the cooker. We had this at home. We had this really beautiful farmhouse kind of small uh, pendulum clock that was on the wall that was done on the wood cabinetry with the enamel. And my eldest brother, and I can say this now because he works, he's very, he works as an engineer. He's, he stopped that clock every evening when he was studying. It, he went up and 
made the pendulum stop. Like, <laughs> guess who got the clock when they were moving house? He did. I found it in his house in Blackrock. And I'm like, how did you get this? How on earth? You hated this clock as a kid. My father did it for to him as revenge. But the black, the clock, okay. Galileo apparently was in the, as you do, having a few prayers. And he noticed a chandelier, which would have had all these bulbous kind of like balls and stuff mm-hmm. at the end. If somebody was turning one on or lighting a candle, he saw it move and observed the movement of the because I'm not going into the sundials we'll go straight to Galileo and he noticed that the measurement of this pendulum movement was constant and he measured against his pulse his heartbeat right and he was like oh there's there's, there's mystery something there's something here I have something here <laughs> now he didn't get to do the the full whack on it okay he didn't get to do the um the absolute zenith on this. In fact, it wasn't until a Huygens guy, a Dutch guy in 1656, he sort of nailed the pendulum. He got that pendulum thing going and they called it, I love this, like he got, what he added was this these weights onto the pendulum yeah, to control the yeah. movement. And it was really important because he was an astronomer. So if you wanted to look at the stars, the sky, you needed to, time is apparently the thing you use. There is something mesmeric about a pendulum yes. and watching it swing to and fro yeah. and also about a loud tick. Now, if you live with yeah. it, though, you you do stop hearing it, don't you? Eventually. Well, I have one. I got a modern one. But I I have to say, I'm jealous as I was as the, as the third sibling that the eldest sibling, I went out and got my own. I got one from Pieces. You're not over modern. it yet, I can no, tell. No, God, no. No, bitter, no. But I think, the, I didn't realise it was so much kind of locked into it. Like, the fact is that the pendulum then became what they called a wag box. You put it, it was in cast iron, it was whacked onto walls, it was in scientific instrument. And the, guess why it was called a wagging box? Like a dog tail? Yes. Oh, I didn't get I had to okay. have that explained to me. So anyway, they, they perfected it and they perfected it and they ended up with what we call, what they would have called was the floor clock. Right, I'm going, the floor clock? What is the floor clock? It wasn't until in America some guy uh, invented a song, not wrote a song, he didn't invent a song, he wrote a song called My Grandfather's Clock and then it became known as a grandfather clock. This was like a, vi- this was one of your take that moments. Oh, I see. Yeah. So it was to do with his grandfather it rather than to being do... to the clock. Yes. Oh, right. Who yeah, knew? Yeah, there you go. And, and he... I thought it was called that because it was the large overbearing size of it. No, it was because of a, a song Somebody... that was sung. Oh. Yeah, there you go. The grandfather clock. All right. Well, listen, does anybody out there still have a grandfather clock? Do let me know. And of course, lots of people don't even have a mantelpiece anymore, no. which is the traditional place that you would have sat a carriage clock, for instance. And and uh, they're harder to come by. They're very hard to come by. And But modern ones are really, really nice. You'll get a, a, a few a yeah. few uh, good ones. You can get one in an article as well. But, but pieces.ie do these very nice. They do also that Delta, you know the big kind of posh floral one. It was like one with a little strands, like little straws sticking out of it. Oh, right, yeah, the yeah. very seventies retro style yeah. wall clock. But the the pendulum clock for me, I have, I found it very therapeutic. I, I just make the tick noise. I, I also think that the really annoying thing in my last house, I had about three clocks. I don't know why they just had, they just happened to be around the house, and that kind of this time of year when you're putting the clocks back and the clocks for it, up on the chair, working out the times, twirling it around at the back, realizing the battery doesn't work. My current house, not one. It's wonderful. And do um, you have so an alarm clock? Just as a matter of interest. I do have an alarm yeah. clock. Yeah. That's no, no. Good. I need it. Like, so you do know. you don't bring the phone in to wake no, up? No, no, no. I can't bear that noise. Even if it's Spotify, I, I like a radio coming on. I so, want the radio. So I'm a radio head. Do you have a, an alarm clock? One of those old school? Yeah. Ne- yeah, ne- it's old. Ne- everything ne- in my everything in my house is oh, old school. Okay. I wouldn't be trusted with technology. <laughs> okay. Is it a plug-in job? <laughs> plug-in job, <laughs> analog radio, non-digital. Does it make a cup of tea as well? <laughs> Does it one? I wish. the tea maker. 
All right. Now, listen. Object yes. of design. What have you brought me this week? Okay. I didn't see do a we bag have a crane? Oh, right. You do have a bag. Okay. Oh, it is heavy. Right. It is heavy. Good lord. Did you bring this in on the bus? The bike. I brought this in because this is a bronze bust, a bronze cast. Yeah. This is by a lady, a lady art. Think about this as a workout. That's how I translated in my head. I was going, okay, I'm doing, I'm not going to the gym today. It's a woman. Oh, sorry. No, it's it's a woman bronze caster, Alwyn Gillespie. Um, that is a bust of her son. She did, she can't lift it. Hang on, I know I have a shoulder cuff injury. Don't make it worse. Hang on, let me take it out. Right. That is her son. That's Finn. Okay. Oh, gosh, he's very handsome. He is um, very handsome. He's a touch of the Ryan Tuberty about him. Maybe if that's not an oxymoron. Finn, don't worry. I don't know what <laughs> um, to say to that. Right. Um, this is an extraordinarily heavy bronze bust of, uh, yes, a young Oh, my goodness. There's a kind of a sadness about yeah. him. Well, I, I, poignant. I, well, he's still, he's, he's very sad at the moment because his mother passed away. But she is a, um, a very, she's a very well-regarded um, artist uh, who's recently departed in Ireland and she is part of that one of the people who did a lot of bronze casting they would have done it with uh, Leo Higgins who is a famous bronze sculptor and they set up the Dublin foundry and cast as it's now known mm. and as a memorial to her they are making a bronze plaque that would sit in a place that she loved to go of a heron she was a brilliant watercolourist okay and she was famous for uh, apart from her watercolours she also was a court artist you know if you can't bring a photographer in mm. Alwyn would have sketched and painted all of the crims down oh, in the forecourts so she was How interesting ve- but she was a very lovely woman and well loved anyway the thing is the casting is going they're actually making a three dimensional cast apparently of a painting he's looking she at did. me now oh, I have to turn lovely. him away and it's going <laughs> it's going into the Dublin he's Basin but it's around. a very interesting kind of, that whole thing of bronze casting and what it it, how is. it's changing and look at look at the uh, striations on the face yeah. the hair every strand of the hair is is do you say carved when it's about bronze sculpted it's cast it's a casting cast. so it would be poured into a mould and there's a she has done a very well regarded famous one of Con Houlihan which yeah. is in the bank and one the in Grogan's as well writer. so he he she 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 has his face, so if you want to have a, a look at them, but I found it very interesting the notion of all this that that this bronze casting and all these other kind of sidelines in mm, art, mm. but the importance also of this representation. Is of it a your difficult family. material to work with bronze? Yeah, no, it's okay. it's very skilled. She's yeah. she's she was very skilled at it, and then also she, the other person who's involved with it would have been. Um, Sean Behan who did the who he, again another very he did the oh, boat we brought it in from the Kilcock Gallery before a bronze cast so, yes yeah, and we would have had but there it's Gosh, in, okay yeah. well will you throw a picture shall, of that on your Instagram which yeah. is uh, Roisin Murphy Architect okay and um, and I'll I'll follow it through on Twitter after the show and uh, gosh I really really like that I think it's absolutely wonderful. Do people do them anymore? I don't know. Do people commission artists to do bronze casts yeah. of their? Is it something I was very curious about? I think so. it's beautiful for garden, actually. Anyway, I, I love it. OK, thank you very much. You're more than welcome, That Sinead. is a very, very nice piece uh, for us. And that is all we have time for this week. Roisin, thank you so much. Um, and if you'd like to get involved in the show, if you have a question, a topic you'd like to hear us cover, or a guest you would like to uh, us to ask on, then please let us know, 53106, or email the show at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. And don't forget to check out the Home Show podcast on the Newstalk website. Now, this Thursday, just while I am here, we've teamed up with the Insolvency 
Community Service of Ireland for an exclusive free online event on News Talk's Facebook page on debt and financial struggles. I am going to be joined by Michael McNaughton of the Insolvency Service and Mitchell O'Brien of the IRS Ireland. He's a PIP to offer insight, advice and practical solutions. Um, folks, that is one not to miss if you are in that position. Uh, so join us at 7pm on Thursday, uh, this Thursday, November the 4th at facebook.com forward slash News Talk FM. Thanks to the production team, Gareth Mulhall and Stephen McLoon, who's on sound. And don't forget, yes, the clocks go back an hour on Sunday morning, I think. Do they? I have no idea. I am sleeping <laughs> in. I, been, I am sleeping in. They go back uh, tomorrow morning. All right. Up next, it's the Anton Savage Show and he'll be up to his neck in dirt. So stay tuned to find out why. Have a fantastic weekend. And remember, we are on again next week at 8am. The Home Show with Colour Trend. Bring home Irish colour with Colour Trend paint. This is News Talk.